Okay. Another week is coming, gone. It's the Look Back Show, week two. And for anybody who thought the Eagles were going to turn it around after that embarrassing loss in week one, it didn't get any better for anybody. It was even worse. The Rams came in here and just dominated. They made Jared Goff look like an elite quarterback. Tyler Hippie looked like the best tight end in football. And... What we thought was a great defense, you know, by with all the talent, turned into one of the worst. It got ran ran over for nearly 200 yards. When was the last time an Eagles defense got ran over for more than 100, let alone nearly 200? And it's just it gets more and more, and and Carson Wentz and the the apologetics it's getting worse and worse, and his and things could get worse before it gets better for him. So. Go ahead. What do you think about this this pathetic performance? <laughs> well, um, you look at last last well, actually, you should say two weeks ago now against Washington. I mean, you could so almost solely place that loss on Carson Wentz, Doug Peterson, and the offense line. Really, so basic, mainly just Peterson and Wentz because. You know, Peterson did nothing to help that offensive line. That was the way they played was more coaching than anything, um, or play calling, I should say. You look at this week, there's, there's three really phases or aspects that you can put this, put this game on. And one, like you just said, is the defense was awful. But just as much, actually more, actually I would say, still falls on Wentz and, and Peterson. And, you know, that's two weeks in a row. As far as I'm concerned, those two are 1-1A one one in terms of why this team is 0-2. Um, as bad as the defense played, this team started to get a rhythm going. Um, it, and then first, first series of the second half, we're moving the ball downfield. And what happens, Wentz makes another rookie mistake, throws it right into coverage, picked off. After that, that was the game. Um, Peterson's play calling again was pretty poor, totally unimaginative. Um, no, no motion, you know, no misdirection. Same tired plays that he's been running for years. There's, there's nothing, nothing special about any, anything that this team's doing right now. Um, it's an absolute joke. They're pathetic, and if. I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not ready to completely give up on the, the season because, mainly because the NFC East is such a joke, and because there's seven playoff teams this year. So starting off 0 and 2 isn't as bad as it has been in the past. But, um, but yeah, they're in bad shape, and there's a number of players that we're gonna have to call out here. Yeah, I mean. Just watching the game, I didn't feel confident first coming into this game, you know, because the Rams, I think they are a little better, but obviously they're in the NFC West, and that's the best, and that's by far the best division in the league right now. Through two weeks, only one loss, representing out of eight games, and I mean, you know, but you gotta give a lot of credit to you know Sean McVay. He's one of the best offensive minds in football, and he's made Jared Goff look better than he really is. And he made and Jared Goff has struggled against the Eagles in his two starts in the past. But obviously, on 
on Sunday, he looked like he, he was comfortable all day. He, he got sacked only one time, but barely ever got touched at all. Because they ran all those great run motion, run motion plays and, you know, out of the pocket. He played more out of the pocket than in the pocket and, and had his most success. And like I said, even though the Eagles did come back and by, and by the half, it looked like they had the momentum in their side. And they were actually driving to take the lead. They were in the red zone, and then Carson Wentz throws that ill-fated interception, and once again the, the game gets out of hand, and and the Eagles have nothing after that. All the momentum is taken away once again, and it just seems like this season so far there's excuses, and I don't know when the excuses are going to stop when everything starts to get better again. I mean, you know. Miles Sanders played, Booby Miles played, but he fumbled on his first possession. In his first possession. He played well, but he, he made a rookie mistake and fumbled the ball. And that gave the Rams a lot of momentum and it went out to a 21-3 lead. And it just, it's just, to me, everybody has to know their roles. And it seems like this coaching staff doesn't have doesn't have a clue what they're doing right now. And this is not a a coaching staff that's like in their first or second year. This is a coaching, a veteran coaching staff. So they should know how to handle all these players and handle what they can do with the with the setups. But it seemed like everybody's out of place. Because if you look at Washington, they were great it the first twenty five minutes. What happened in the the final you know, the final thirty five? And then this game, they just were never in the hunt. Besides that, besides that run near the end of the half and early third quarter. So, to me, you know, like I said, only one time in the history of this franchise they started 0 and 2. And shockingly, that year they went to the they actually not only went to the NFC Championship game, they hosted the NFC Championship game as a one seed. But this NFC is nothing like that NFC. That was a weak NFC. This NFC is too, too deep. Like I said, when the season began, there's at least 11 teams that can go to Tampa Bay and fight for the Super Bowl, including Tampa Bay themselves. And the Eagles cannot start 0-3. They cannot. Because, like I said, they said only 12% of teams starting 0-2 make the playoffs. I think that's a little off, off scale. Because 0-2 has, you can recover from 0-2 and actually get, and, and actually get, and have a, still have a decent season. And maybe after a few weeks things can get better for them. But obviously 0-3, your chances of making the playoffs are even, is it's probably like 5%. So, yeah, 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 the Eagles have a lot of work to do because, you know, nobody expected an 0-2 start. I don't think anybody expected them to be great, but nobody expected them to be still looking for a win into the third week. Yeah, I mean, they, they can't lose this week against the Bengals because after that, you got three tough games right in a row, the Niners, Steelers, Ravens. You know, the, the Niners are hurting big time, and they may not even have Jimmy Garoppolo for that game, but... Nonetheless, they're still a tough team, and they're still gonna they're still gonna fight. So you know they can't afford to lose to another garbage team in turn in 
in Cincinnati. You know, Cincinnati's a team that had some talent, but they have the, one of the worst offensive lines in the league, and they have a poor defense, and there's absolutely no excuse. You say one of the excuses is going to end, this is it, man. I mean, week one, okay. A lot of talented teams came out and played poorly. You get it. There's no preseason. The whole deal. Um, week two, okay, they they, got, they played a pretty tough team, a team with a good coach. Um, so, okay, fine, they, they lose that game. There's no excuse now, though. If you, you want to bring yourself as a playoff team, as a team that could even compete for the Super Bowl, there's no excuse to lose to the Bengals in week three of the season. It, it's that's it, man. And really, when you look at this team, it's it, it, unless they make a run in the playoffs. I'm not talking about going nine and seven and sneaking into the playoffs and then losing in the first round. I'm talking about winning ten games and at least getting to the second round, if not further. Um, if they don't, if they don't do that, it's time to make some major changes on this team. Um, we can't, we can't keep settling for being for just barely sneaking into the playoffs. And there's been a lot of mishandling the way this team's been the last couple of years. And you got to start with the coaching staff. Um, they've been pretty poor. You look at the defensive side of the ball, the more control and the more say that Jim Schwartz has gotten on this defense, the less talented it seems to have gotten. And the Eagles aren't spending a ton on their defense compared to other teams, but they also they do have the they, they are spending more on their defensive line than any other team in the NFL. And this line has done nothing, absolutely nothing so far this year. Um, and again, the more say that Schwartz has got every year, we've lost when he when Schwartz got here. I should say the first year at linebacker, we had Nigel Bradham, Jordan Hicks, Michael Kendricks three quality linebackers, and each year we lost one of them and replaced them with nothing more than, like, a late-round draft pick or some undrafted free agent, you know, some C-level free agent, like some nobody. And now now, now we're seeing what we got. We got Nate, Jer- Nate Gary out there getting toasted or some other guys better that no one's ever even heard of, you know, Duke Riley, T.J. Edwards, you know, T.J. Edwards is a guy that could be a nice backup special teams player, but he is limited athletically. And Duke Riley is—he's garbage. He should be doing nothing more than special teams. So, you know, we're down to nothing at linebacker because Schwartz doesn't value his linebacker. You know, he's valued his linebackers less than Jim Johnson did. And we know back in the Jim Johnson era, we didn't value linebackers. Then you look at that secondary. Um, you know, I'm not too. I'm not too upset with the safeties. I think uh, Jalen Mills is, isn't bad at safety. He's been he's been average. He hasn't been great, but he hasn't been terrible. Um, Rodney Cloud hasn't been horrible. He had a really good first game last week. He wasn't good, um, but he's, he has, he's not bad either. And then they got some players in Kayvon Wallace has talent. So safety-wise, I'm not worried, but at cornerback, this is where this team still is failing big time again. Um, Darius Slay, yeah, I didn't really notice him much last week, which is a good thing. 
But you look at these other two guys that have been getting a lot of playing time. Roby Coleman sucks. He got he got burnt big time. And even worse is Avante Maddox. He he is awful, man. Um, you know, two years ago his rookie season, this guy he showed some potential, but he's he's not he was you know he, he showed some potential. We'll say that. Then last year he was awful. This year, for some reason, this team came into the, the preseason with six cornerbacks, that, um, three of which are basically slot cornerbacks in terms of um, Roby Coleman, Craven LeBron- Le- uh, LeBlanc, and Avante Maddox. Because you know we've seen Maddox play on the outside, and he hadn't he was he was horrible last year too. So you know we already knew he was suited more so for the slot. And then they had. Uh, they had Slay, Rasul Douglas, Sidney Jones. Even though Douglas and Jones haven't really been great, you know they at least they can. They're they're more suited to play on the outside than than Maddox. And um, for some reason, Schwartz insists on insisted on putting Maddox on the outside. And then I don't know who 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 had say in cutting both Douglas and Sidney Jones, but it's left us, left us with absolutely nothing at the number two cornerback position. And if you look at this team, I mean, if you imagine if Darius Slay goes down, imagine the quarterback staff of uh, Maddox and any anything else they throw out there. It's awful. Maddox has a um, Pro Football Focus rating of thirty-seven point five on the season, which is like almost a lot worse than the NFL. Rasul Douglas, for what it's worth, he's at seventy-three point eight out there in Carolina. And last week he rated as the 10th highest cornerback in the NFL. So, you know, he's shown some talent. Sidney Jones actually played, has been playing pretty decent as well. And then on the offensive side of the ball, it's all on Wentz, man. He's, he's been awful. Again, pro football focus has him rated as the worst quarterback in the NFL so far through two weeks. He's got a 44 quarterback, uh, a 44 rating, which is, which is horrendous. This is a guy that is in his fifth year in the league. And he's still playing like he's a rookie. Um, we thought last year, over the last month of the year, that he had turned the corner and really like took over that leadership role, took over the team, um, took the, that big step forward we were hoping for that we thought he had taken in 2017. And now he's regressed back to even worse than he was in 2018 and for most of 2019. Yeah. Like I said, what's, what's a great – D-line without a linebacker. I mean, I, it's ridiculous. I mean, letting letting Nigel Bradham go was a joke, was a shame, you know, because he was really he was really good for us. He was really good in, in, in the Super Bowl year, and he still played very well even in the last season. I, like I said, obviously we're going to get back towards to, to uh, Carson Wentz because obviously the quarterback has to take the most blame for, for the struggles. And Carson Wentz should know better. He's in his fifth season now, and you know he's he's he, you know he he's he's not injured. You know I don't think he is. You know the ACL is that was a couple years ago, so he you know he's recovered from that obviously. But it's it is amazing how much things have changed from what where they were last year, where he had nothing at offense, nothing offensively, nothing, and he took them to the playoffs. And now, with weapons, he just can't figure anything out. And now they've lost Jalen Rager until until after the bye, until November, because he hurt his he he split his thumb open and, and on his throwing hand. So 
He's out for he's out. And like I said, Alshon Jeffries on the eight week IR, so he can't return until around the bye either. So I mean that means Deshaun Jackson's gonna have a lot more to he has to they're limiting him in the offense. Now he has to play a bigger role in the offense. So they so that could be a risk. So it really to me, Carson Wentz knows how to play this this game. I don't know why he's making stupid decisions and, and stuff. He played a lot better. In theory, he did play a lot better this past week. He did throw the ball away when there wasn't anything there, which is important. It's the best thing you can do. If there's not a play there, you save yourself some time, and you'll, and you'll save yourself yards, obviously. But unfortunately, he still makes that dumb decision where Arcega White's side's open, and he tries to throw the ball to him. He gets double-teamed at the end, and that's where the interception came from. And it just... It just won't. It won't. It just won't stop with him making decisions to think that he's Houdini. Like I said, you're not Houdini. You're just. You're a good quarterback, but you're not Houdini. You got. You gotta make. You gotta understand. You gotta give what the what the defense gives you. That's how Russell Wilson is. That's how. That's how Drew Brees and Brady and all the legends have been over the years. They give what the defense gives them. If they're better than that, they read them well. You read them great, and you have a lot more success. But unfortunately, these the first two weeks he had four interceptions. He had seven. He's had seven the last two seasons, and actually the last three seasons he's had no more than seven. He's on pace right now to have nearly to have over twenty this season. So he's got to stop. He's just got to take a take a deep breath and get and get himself right. Or as I always traditionally say, get his ass where it's at. Because this this season can get out of control. I mean, Mike Bissonelli's already said this team is going 1-5 to start the season. And if you're 1-5 in, in this division, even though this division is not elite by any means, Dallas is not playing great either. But Dallas will will find a way to recover. Because, because somebody there is not going to make the stupid mistakes that, the other, that somebody else is. So... They got to get their act together. This is not, you know, this is desperation this Sunday. You're playing a winnable team, you know, but don't take the Bengals lightly. Think about it. The Eagles, last time they beaten the Bengals was in 2000. The last time, the last few years they played the Bengals, 2004, throwaway, that was the final game of the season, Super Bowl year. 2008, they tied them. 2012, they got beat. They got beat because they were on a losing streak, and that was Andy Reid's last year. And Carson Wentz rookie year in 2016, they struggled against them again. In fact, the last two times they played the Bengals, they got blown out. I'm not saying that this that that situation is going to re- represent itself on Sunday, but don't think the Bengals has come in here and play and play with a little confidence or Joe Burrow because if Burrow gets comfortable and that puts the Eagles in a, in an uncomfortable position, guess what? We're 0-3. I'm just letting you know. They got to get to Burrow and make him and make him be a rookie. He has to outperform Burrow or or it's not going to work out. Yeah, well, when you look at the schedule, I mean, at best, the Eagles are probably going 2-4. and four, And that's, that's assuming they beat the Bengals this week. Um, they, they, they can beat the Niners, but after that, the Steelers, Ravens, it, the way they're playing now, there's absolutely no shot, no shot at all. 
at beating them. Yeah, you got to so. play the you got to play the Steelers on the road, and that's not going to be e- that's not going to be easy task. And the Ravens probably is the best team in football. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, the 49ers is possible. 49ers might be their easiest game right now, even more easier than this Sunday because they're they're very banged up, and we'll obviously get to 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 what's been going on this week with the injuries. But obviously, this is this is a critical. Yeah, you know, you think this schedule is easy? It's not. This schedule is very tough, and it's got parts where it's got no favors. Has done no favors in the matchup. So. Like I said, we'll see what happens. We'll see what we can do on Sunday in our predictions. But it's obvious that it, you know, it's either this could be a do or die to determine what kind of season the Eagles are going to have after this. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a schedule that really isn't that tough, but it's got two. Like this was supposed; these first three games were supposed to be like an easy stretch, you know, and we're already at zero two, but. It's got two stretches here of three games each where it's really tough. And we're coming up to stretch number one, which is, like we said, the Niners, uh, Steelers, Ravens. And we're already at 0-2. It's not looking good. Um, like I said, 0-2 isn't the end of the world this, nowadays with seven playoff teams and the horrible division. It, it Really, the Cowboys are not a good team either and the other two teams are a joke anyway but um, but yeah no at this point like I said winning the division at 9-7 and seven isn't good enough um, if this team can't make the playoffs and make a run it's time to start blowing stuff up it's time to potentially move on from Schwartz it's time to they're not going to fire Peterson it's, but at least at the very least it's time to start booking into taking away his play calling duties because this guy's not going to give him up on his own and his play calling ever since 2017 has been subpar to say the least and you know there's only so much you can put up with at some point you got to get a real offensive coordinator in here that knows how to call plays and yeah that's even that's even worse that's even worse that they are doing this by committee i mean to me that, that to me we talked about this in the off, before the off season, before at the end of last season. Why you know why are they not looking for a real offensive coordinator? Why do they have to be offense by committee? I know at the end of the day, Pearson still Dunkey Pete's going to still call the plays no matter what. So maybe that kind of kind of incense the purpose of having an offensive coordinator in theory. But but still, you know, like I said, there has to be a different strategy. It has to be a different strategy call because. You can't, like you've been saying, you can't be running the same plays over and over if it's not going to work out, you know. You got to get Carson yeah, confidence. O-line played better yet on Sunday. There was a complete 360-degree difference from, from week one. You know, Carson Wentz did not get sacked once, but he still made bad bad decisions, and that's one of the reasons. Bad defensive play and bad decisions. Offensively, I don't think we're as bad as we would think, but... Because we are moving the ball. It's not like we're having many three and outs. But unfortunately, you know, just get Carson to get his confidence back. And I still think there's time. But like I said, you know, time, you know, you only get 16 games. And we're already at week three. And soon you'll be at week six. And then you'll be at week nine. And then the season's out of control. So, like I said, 
we'll we'll get we'll we'll obviously end this right here with the Eagles talk. But looking around the rest of the league, obviously we had a lot of critical games, a lot of interesting matchups, not a lot of surprises, you know. But obviously, you <coughs> sorry, you and I know how this league is. This is the most injury prone league in sports, and Sunday ruled its ugly head. Lots of big names went down with injuries. From Drew Locke to the 49ers to Saquon Barkley, who's done for the year. Like I said, these injuries obviously could hinder a season. So your thoughts on, on, on the on the league and, and the injuries and and what could and what you know if it's going to get better or is it just you know this it's could could hinder what the season could look like later on. Well, you know, all these people out there in the world, or I should say in the football world, that over the last couple of years, it's a lot of people in the media saying stuff like this too. But they've been they've been trying to make a case that the preseason isn't necessary, that the, the teams do everything they need to do in, in camp and all that nonsense, and it's all BS. I mean, just look at it. You've never seen anything like this before in terms of these in- injuries. And it's a lot of it is because these players aren't in game shape. And they're not in game shape because they're not playing actual games. Practice isn't the same as being in games. Sorry. You can, you can say all you want about that, but that's, that's nonsense. It's not. And that's why the preseason is necessary. On top of that, you know, it's, it's good for scouting young players that are on the roster bubble that might have potential to um, – contribute down the line, but you know, it's also about getting these players in the game shape, and we saw week one, there were a lot of injuries, there were also a lot of talented teams that came out and played flat. Now we see week two, still a ton of injuries, and uh, and yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking about a, the players that aren't in shape, and when you're not in shape, and, and you're playing a, a, a contact sport like football, you're going to be more prone to getting hurt. Yeah, like I said, but it's just it's just ridiculous. I mean, you know, Saquon Barkley, he's their only hope for the Giants to actually have any success, and they're not going to have a a lot of success even with him. But now he's done, and that leaves Daniel Jones on an island for the rest of the year because I don't think Devontae Freeman he is nowhere near Saquon's level of ability. So. You know, even though the Eagles were had him here and actually thinking about signing him for several days last week, you know, in in the case of Miles Sanders wasn't going to return right away. But like I said, I mean, the 49ers had it really rough. They lost four starters, including Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, Nick Bosa's done with a with a torn ACL along with Solomon Thomas, and somehow they still destroyed the Jets because the Jets are garbage, like you predicted. Congratulations to you. You predicted they are, they were really garbage on Sunday. But, I mean, you know, like I said, this league, you know, the lack of preseason, no preseason. It wasn't a lack of preseason. It was no preseason games. And you're absolutely right. Everybody has to come in, in shape. And I think that's the first thing that most of these coaches and, and, and representatives tell you when you come to training camp in July, you know, because you go, you have, the first thing you do is take a physical. And if your physical isn't right, then they're going to tell you, they're going to put you on a program so you can gain pounds or whatever. 
because a lot of people risk being cut because of their situation. Now, most of the good players that obviously know that they they have to keep their physique right throughout the off season to be right for the regular for the next season are in good shape. But a lot of these bigger guys they get on they don't get on a diet. They eat a lot like me, and then boom, you know you're 20 pounds overweight, and that's a problem. And they're telling you to lose 10 to 15 pounds. So, like I said, I mean, to me, it's it. You know, everybody knows the role. You know, if Brett Favre got sick and tired of, of of train camp and all that stuff because he was getting older and and it wasn't for him, people like him are not going to get a lot. A lot of people are not going to get that kind of clout like Brett Favre did, like Tom Brady does, like others. You know, if you're a no nothing and nobody that's still trying to make a team, you have to be in shape. You know. And you can get cut right away if you're not. And if you don't perform week one, you will get cut. So that's just how this league is. And these injuries, unfortunately, are going to continue, you know, over the next, you know, throughout the season. But to me, it's not going to be the survival of who gets sick from the COVID. It's going to be the survival of the fittest, whose who's, who's knee won't give out, whose who's arm won't get broken. Yeah, well, you know what? Is, what's crazy is um, we we were just a couple of weeks ago. We were complaining about the Eagles' training staff and how the Eagles are constantly injured, and they brought in a new training staff, and they're still injured. And all of a sudden, the Eagles are seem to be one of the healthier teams in the league, all things considered. <laughs> yeah. Well, the Ranger, like you said, is out. But other than that, who who, who of significance is out? That you know wasn't put on IR before the season started. You know, Vinny Curry. That's about it. You know, yeah. we're not getting hit like the Niners and the Giants, the Panthers. You know, all these teams losing. Yeah, Christian start. McCaffrey. Yeah, yeah. But the problem is the 49ers complained about the field at 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 the at MetLife, so they called the league and asked them to expect the field. Now I don't know if they've done that or not because they have to play there on Sunday against the Giants. I mean, there's one team a year that has to play at the Meadowlands twice, and the 49ers are that team. So, you know, give or take what they – well, actually, I think there's another team as well. I'm, I'm trying to think who's the other team. I think it might be Arizona. But but obviously, you know, like I said, you can, you can ask and, you know, sometimes the field can be a problem too. But, you know, like I said, it goes back to what I said a few weeks ago about Chip Kelly, you know, he had a good diet and idea to keep the teams healthy. And most of the time when he was, when he was coaching here, he kept the, the, the team in good shape with these, those shakes and stuff. And it kind of worked to some degree for, for muscle, for muscle strength. So it is what it is. But obviously as we look around the league, I mean, like I said, Brady and Belich, I mean, Brady had a great, you know, finally won. wasn't big, but he he finally won. And like I said, I'm going to talk about now my rant. And it's not even the Dallas Cowboys. It's the, it's about the Dallas Cowboys, but it's not them directly. You know, the Atlanta Falcons in 2016 won, nearly won the Super Bowl. We all remember the epic choke they had. 
on Sunday. They had Dallas dead to rights throughout the entire game. They controlled, they destroyed them in the first half. They went up 20 twice. They, Dallas was just absolutely a joke. They were fumbling the ball. Dak threw an interception. Hayden Hurts had an easy touchdown that a tight end should not have. I mean, they did everything right to the Cowboys. Somehow they had 39 points with no turnovers. Now think about this. In the history of this league, before Sunday, no team in NFL history with those numbers and no turnovers, no matter if they were home or the road, ever lost. But somehow, this team did. They did that. I'm sitting there watching the game after the, after the Eagles game. They turned that game on. And I know the Cowboys are going to make a run because that's what they do. They're going to be a garb. They're going to get garbage points because that's what happens. You you take your foot off the gas. It's sometimes all right. So I'm watching the final two minutes of the damn game, and I see that here comes the Cowboys. They make a a, a move, and then they score and they score a touchdown with Zeke, and then okay, they have no timeouts. There's 40 seconds left on the clock. This or at least a minute or whatever it was. There's nothing, there, there's nothing, to, there's no way the Cowboys are going to win this game unless somebody fucks up. And then all of a sudden, they do, a, they do the onside kick, and what? They, they just let the ball go, and then the Atlanta just let the ball go. Cowboys ran right onto it, and then they marched right down the field, kicked the game-winning field goal. <laughs> to me... This franchise is the dumbest franchise in sports with a coach that should not even be on this team. He should not even be. He should have been fired last year for the start they had. And Matt Ryan, Matty Ice, as great as he is, this game, the Super Bowl loss, he'll be a Hall of Famer. He's not a first ballot. I'll, be, I'll, I'll, I'll lose my shit if he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Because you have to be great. You have to not just be good. You have to be great to be in the Hall of Fame as a quarterback. And he, and I, I, I don't get, I just don't get this team. I don't, I don't get it. I love Julio Jones, and he's going to be a Hall of Famer. But to me, why is he, why is he get a pass for, for their struggles? I thought he was the greatest receiver ever. This defense is a joke. I, I, I know our defense is bad too, but. You know, for for a guy like Dan Quinn, who's supposed to be a defensive guy, he's become this era's what's his name that used to be the Ravens coach. You know, that guy he he completely forgot how to call defense or be a defensive guy. And now, and now the Cowboys, you know, they, I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're going to be great. They're gonna probably get their ass whipped on Sunday in Seattle. Because there's no way, as bad as the Eagles have started, Dallas is in an even worse position if they lost this game. Because they're going to Seattle and they'll be 0 3 and it's over. It might be over for them already before it even started. The Falcons are a joke. And they should be ashamed of themselves. And the, and the coach should be fired right away. It's a joke. It should, I'm tired. I'm just sick and tired. I watched that game. I'm already mad about the Eagles. And then I see that. 
And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Really? Really? Don't do this. And then they do it. Choke artists. Your thoughts. Say what you want to say about this. I'm done with talking about this. Yeah, I mean, the team's a joke. The, the coach is a joke. Um, I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about he's this he's, he's the new version of uh, Marvin Lewis, right? Well, Dan Quinn actually went to the Super Bowl. Marvin Lewis never even won a playoff game. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but that's how I kind of view it is um, he, he's, he's like the Marvin Lewis of the NFC. You know, he made the, the Super Bowl one year. But he's he's like a he's a defensive coach that came in here, had some success early, and it has has somehow stuck around even though he's been he's been horrible ever since. And that's pretty much what Marvin Lewis was, you know. He he never actually won a playoff game, but you know, he had some success early when he went into the Bengals and then the Bengals were a joke and he stuck around like way longer than he should have. And that's what they're doing with uh, with Quinn, you know. They're letting him stay around here, even though he's his team is underperforming every year. His team's is poorly coached. Um, I mean that that whole special teams play that was that was that was coaching, man. That was coaching. Those players should need to know that what they they should under if, if you have a decent coach, they understand the situation. They know exactly what they got to do in that situation, and that's it. And. I mean, they they just gave they gave the game to the Cowboys. They're awful. Dan Quinn's got to go, and <laughs> I, I just know. never. I seen... mean, who they end up hiring? But I would assume after this year, Dan Quinn's out. I just never in my life seen a team. I've never heard of anybody who scored forty points on the road with no turnovers lose a game. It's never happened before. It never happens. Nobody can screw that up. Nobody can screw that up. It's just, it's just, like I said, like I said, the sad thing about this new seven, this seven seed thing. Let's say the NFC East turns it around, and every, and this division is is competitive, and let's say Dallas and Philly somehow needs that seven seed. One of them gets it, and it comes down to one loss early in the season because now with this, you have to look, you have the early game, the early season games matter as much as the late season games. So if the Eagles, you know, obviously you can't look at the Rams because they were never in the in really in the game. But to me, if D- Dallas makes the playoffs by one game or something because of this performance, then it's a then then guess what? And the Atlanta Falcons should just give them an award. They should just hang give them everything they want. It's ridiculous. It's a shame because the Cowboys. I I really thought this Cowboys team was going to be better than I thought, but they are not. Because Atlanta had no, they they just dominated them, and and I've never seen anything like that ever. It's ridiculous, and and the Cowboys are going to get their ass whipped on Sunday. You you and I probably assume really assume that that that's going to happen. It's going to happen because Seattle is a, is a great team, and Dallas is just not on the same level. The NFC East it, it could be actually worse than they were last year. It can be actually worse. That's how sad this is. They could be actually worse than a season ago. Seven and nine might win this division. It could it really could. If the Eagles really continue to struggle, seven and nine's gonna win this division. 
Yeah, I know, man. It's pathetic. It's, it's, it's pathetic. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't think seven and nine will do it, but eight and eight could. Yeah, it's unbelievable. But obviously, as we look around the rest of the league, I mean, at least we we still had some great we still had some great games and good games and stuff. I mean, you're going to like this next segment here. Obviously, we looked at Cam Newton, uh, a successful win against, uh, uh, you know, Cam Newton had a great game in Seattle that that renewed a great rivalry with him and Russell Wilson. They played a great, they had a great, um, they had a great game on Sunday night. Obviously, you know, Seattle found a way to pull it off, but that tells you that Cam Newton is staying in New England for the long haul. At least it's the first two games give you that look. But the Las Vegas Raiders beat the Saints as I predicted, and he and that's your sleeper team. Both of us predicted that, man. I predicted that. I predicted they were going to beat the Saints, and they did. Yeah, I know. Both, both of us did. We both had the Raiders. I, I think you picked against them. I really think you did. Uh, no, listen back, man. I picked the Raiders to win that. Oh well, whatever. <laughs> But Sunday, they play in New England, a big matchup in New England. So, to me, is the you, you may be right about the Raiders. They're off to a 2-0 and start, and I didn't expect that to happen. So, as shocking as the Eagles are as 0-2, it's even more shocking that the Raiders are 2-0. and And I've been telling everybody, I told everybody at the bowling alley on Monday, you know this team is owned by the league. The league actually controls the Raiders. Because Mark, because Al's son Mark lives off of what Al built, you know, you know. So to me, does the NFL's own their their own team? Do they actually have you actually have them making potentially making the playoffs anyway? So could they actually could they actually be a really a sleeper team in the NFC in the AFC? Well, their, their defense is, is yeah, they actually played pretty well defensively after the first um, quarter and a half or so. You know, they, they got into a nice big hole early, but once the, once that offense started to get a rhythm, the whole team really started to get going. Um, but their defense isn't good enough yet to really compete against the likes of the Ravens and the Chiefs and them. But they could be on the second tier. Um, they could be in that that Patriots, um, um, well, not that Titans, yeah, Patriots, Titans, Steelers type of tier. Maybe like on the lower rung of it, but they, they can they can compete with those teams. It's just the, the the big three right now in the AFC are the Chiefs, the Ravens, and then the Bills are really coming. Coming on strong, and obviously they played garbage to start the year. But it's a, it, but Josh Allen, the way he's playing, if he can keep that up, they they can compete too for the for the AFC Championship. But those are the big three. After that, it's a bunch of good teams that probably aren't making the Super Bowl. But the Raiders could be in that category. Yeah, I'll give John Gruden his his due share. I mean. I, I could consider this a honeymoon right now. I mean, the league obviously wants the, the Raiders to work probably more than even the L.A. teams because Las Vegas is technically a new market for them as far as having a football team out there and gambling in the in gambling's capital. 
of the world in, in the most gambling capital of the world and and obviously it worked out very very well even though there was no fans it felt I I from a distance felt an atmosphere that worked out for for the Raiders very much on on Monday night and like I said speaking of of contenders in the AFC we'll obviously look at 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 the two teams that are still at the top and that's obviously the Ra Ravens and the Chiefs and it was a tale of two games. When you look at the Chiefs, you know, they kind of got surprised. Justin Herbert made his debut earlier than anybody expected and played maybe the best, you know, played the Chiefs probably very good, very, very good. Took them to overtime and nearly pulled off an upset, the upset of the weekend almost. For the Ravens, they went to Houston. Houston, obviously, is much lim We all know how limited they are compared to what they were a year ago. And they controlled that game, and Lamar threw the ball very well. They still ran the ball, obviously, but Lamar didn't run the ball that much at all. He just tried to control the offense. So we have an epic Monday night game between the Ravens and the Chiefs in Baltimore, a big matchup that obviously has implications for, for obviously, who has the momentum for the rest of the year, so... For what you've seen so far between these two teams, who has the advantage right now? Well, I think that it's, I, I, I would say the team that is out of those two teams that have the advantage in, this, in that game would be probably the Ravens, just because they have the better defense. Um, both teams have easy offenses, obviously, and they can, they can put up a ton of points quick, but... The Ravens also have a, a top-notch defense as well, whereas the Chiefs have a at-best mediocre defense. Let's just put it like that. Um, so, you know, the Ravens are definitely the more balanced team. The Chiefs are the team that could put up more points on a quickly. You know, obviously, uh, obviously, all that speed that they have, they're going to get some points. Whereas we've seen the Ravens shut down, especially in the playoffs last year. We've seen them get shut down against some good teams. So, right now, I would say the Ravens have the advantage, but at the same time, the Chiefs do have the offense and specifically the quarterback that has um, come up bigger in, in big games. So, in that regard, I still give the advantage to the Ravens, but just slightly. But, um, but yeah, looking at, like you said, Justin Herbert, and the, and the Chargers, too. They played really tough against the the, the, the the Chiefs, and they do have a really good team in terms defensively. And I did, I did see today that it, there's a report out there saying that they're expecting Herbert to start again this week. And don't sleep on the Chargers as a potential wildcard team. Um, like I said, they, they were one of my other sleepers this year. So... They're, they're looking pretty good. Yeah, just watching that game on Sunday, watching uh, the Chiefs and the Chargers, I was really surprised. I mean, you know, and obviously Justin Herbert looked very much like a skilled veteran, you know. He threw for 300 yards. He had them playing very well. <clears throat> and obviously it worked out very much that maybe the Chargers are a team that can obviously, I mean, the AFC West is a like the NFC West could be a, they're a really good division right now. You know, if you look around, I mean, you know, I think the Broncos are still going to be all right, but they obviously need 
uh, Drew Locke if they're going to make the post if they're going to make a postseason ch- a, a charge. But obviously, yeah, the, the Broncos are done, man. Drew Locke's out. Cortland Sutton's out for the year. Yeah, 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 the they, year. They're, they're 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 finished. Yeah, but obviously, you know, looking at this matchup, I mean, the Ravens they're trying to build a balance with Lamar and tell him to to run less and throw more. Now, will that work? Obviously, as the season goes on, we'll see what happens. But to me, they have to have an a, an ideal setup for January if they're going to have success and contend for for a championship. Because still, you know, when the Chiefs come into town, they have what they want, a ring, a championship. And like I said, it's not like the Ravens has never won a Super Bowl, but they'll be reminded of who who's coming who's coming in here and making a and making an impact. So big matchup there. And on the NFC side, we have another potential game of the week matchup. Uh, a return of a legendary matchup Breeze versus Aaron Rodgers down at the Superdome on Sunday night. And that's obviously going to be a big matchup there for Green Bay and 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 for the Saints. Green Bay leads the league in points right now. They've averaged They've, they're the only team that scored 40 points in both games. They've averaged 42.5 points per game this year. So, obviously, that's a that's something to think about. But they're playing the Vikings and the Lions, so we haven't they haven't gotten a good read of, of their competition. This is the, this will be their first real test outside their division. So, you know, and obviously, just looking around, we've looked the rest of the league. So, like I said, we'll get to our. Thursday night matchup here, but before we get to it, we have some sad news around in the league. The great Gale Sayers sadly passed away this morning. The great Bears uh, running back, obviously called the Kansas Comet when he played in Kansas back in the day. You know, he he had a relatively short career. Obviously, running backs normally don't have a long career, have the shortest career, but he made a hell of an impact on on a very bad Chicago Bears team where Dick Buckus was the man on defense. He was the obviously offensive skilled and obviously he was one of the greatest of all time and obviously set the bridge for for Walter Payton a couple years later to join the Bears. Another great draft of George Hallis who obviously Papa Bear, one of the great, the founder, the, the godfather of this league. So, you know, set, uh, our thoughts go out to, to the Sayers family. He was 77, so unfortunate. So, but we'll get to the yeah. game here. Oh, you have you have something to say about that? No, 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 nothing special. Yeah, he was a he was a great player, and it's a shame. Yeah, yeah, he's been str- struggling with his health sadly the last several years, though. Let's go to the matchup. Obviously, it's the matchup of the week. It's the greatest game ever. Not. But it is an interesting matchup early in the season in your state, but it's not neither of your teams. It's Miami versus Jacksonville. And obviously, these two teams, this is probably their only this is their only primetime matchup of the season that I know of. So, like I said, go ahead with this matchup. You know, it's uh, Fitzmagic versus Minshew. Yeah, Min- yeah, it's Magic versus Minshew Mania. But, uh, um, you know, both these teams, you look at what they did last week, they both lost, but they played really tough games against quality playoff caliber teams. Um, 
both teams lost by three. Um, Jacksonville played Tennessee. Miami played Buffalo, obviously. So, you know, they, they, they were competitive. Obviously, in week one, Jacksonville came out and took it to the Colts and took them down. So, they, they've, been, they've been competitive to start the year. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's a guy that he's bounced around the league, but he has won his last four games that he's played against Jacksonville. And actually, each of those four games have been as a quarterback of a different team. So, um, you know, he's bounced around the league, but he has had success, and specifically he's had a lot of success against Jacksonville. So we'll see what he can do there. Um, one thing for Miami's offense, though, they, they their running game has been horrible. They went out this offseason. They, they, they threw some money at Matt Breida and Jordan Howard, and the two of them have combined for a total of 70 yards rushing. Ugh. And, <laughs> yeah, it's nobody that they have on the team. Miles Gaskin, he's, he's actually leading the team right now with 86 yards in two games. So, um, so all that money spent so far has been for nothing. Um, now, between both these teams, the big, the big, uh, I, I would say Achilles' heel for both these teams is their defense. We seen my, we saw Miami last week got torched by Josh Allen and Buffalo. Allen threw for over 400 yards passing. Meanwhile, Jacksonville's defense has been bad too, and specifically. Their defense has been horrible at rushing the quarterback. They've got two sacks in two games, which should sound like a familiar stack because that's also the same number that the Eagles have, if I'm not mistaken. Or no, no, sorry, the Eagles have three. But nonetheless, it doesn't matter. Um, Jacksonville's pass rush, pass rush has been non-existent. And like I said, Miami, this patch has been successful against Jacksonville passing. Um Miami's, if you want to call it strength on offense, is passing the ball. I'm looking for a good game out of Fitzpatrick. And in terms of Minshew, I think he'll have a decent game. He'll be, it won't be, he won't be bad. He won't be great. But in the end, I think Miami ends up pulling out the victory here. So I'm going Dolphins, final score 27 23. Yeah, this matchup is a sexy matchup on paper, but then again, it, this game is now on regular Fox. It's still on the NFL Network, so it's at the lower toe pole of of main of of uh, you know primetime matchups. So it makes sense for both of these teams that probably aren't going anywhere. I mean, obviously, Jacksonville's off to a better start than anybody anticipated. They played two very solid games, so. You you got me right on on them. Jacksonville is not so far the worst team in in, in the league right now, and they may not be. Gardner Minshew is is their quarterback, and obviously they can build on him, and he's done a very good job. You know he's up there in the top ten in, pa- in passer rating so far this season, so he's done a very decent job there. For the for the Dolphins, obviously, you know they play two division games, two tough division games. And obviously, like I said, they they played Buffalo last week in a game where thunderstorms... And like I said, we haven't had many thunderstorms in this country. But somehow, in in Miami, they had one on Sunday. But 
still wasn't good enough to beat Buffalo in a game that they played very tough in. So this is going to be interesting. I mean, like I said, Fitzpatrick has played Jacksonville many times. He, like you said, he's won, but he's been on like 800 teams, so pick and choose. This should be this should be an interesting matchup. This should be this should be a a a, a pretty decent good matchup. You know, I mean, it should make Joe Buck seem interested. You know, because you know he 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 likes the sexy matchups. You know, Aikman will obviously call a good game too. So, but enough with them. But I think that at the end of the day, both defenses are going to get scored on a lot, and I think that it's going to come down to. Alas, alas, you know, the last few moments. But I think that Miami's got the advantage. I just think that when it comes to experience, obviously, in the quarterback department, they have more advantage. You know, you're going to get to, you have a 15-year veteran versus basically a second-year player. And at the end of the day, I think Miami will hold off in a high-scoring affair. It's going to be a high-scoring game. So the Dolphins hold on. And the final score, 34-27. So that's, so that's our week two look back. I'm sure everybody will listen to my rant and tell me how much I, I couldn't stand that. You know, Cowboys fans are going to be like, Oh, he's too bad. Uh, he was, uh. But like I said, I'm not worried about the Cowboy fans. They, they'll get theirs. They always do. So like I said... We'll, we'll be back on Sunday to look at the rest of week three. Hopefully, it should be interesting where we go. And it is what it is. So, have a good night, folks.